My man, Carlos Condit in the house at On It. Yes, sir. I'm, I try to make that rhyme or flow together somewhat <laughs> just for a super sweet intro. Yeah, I'm, I'm here, bro. Thanks for having me. I'm Fuck excited. Yeah. And, you, and uh, we, we were just talking about, you know, meeting way back in the day early on, uh, right when I first got in the UFC mm-hmm. out in Arizona. You trained at a number of different places. Yeah, man. Uh, I had been at the same gym in Albuquerque for a long time. And at, at, I think I was about 24. I had to get the fuck out, man. And and so I, I went out to Arizona and trained with uh, you guys at, at Arizona Combat. Good time. Really, really saw what high-level elite athletes trained like. You know, I was around, you know, fighters, but... It was just a, it was a different level of athlete when I went to Arizona, and I really got a, a taste for what it was to you know be a be a professional athlete and train that way. Yeah, I think uh, as the sport started, you you know obviously when it fucking first started, you had this guy knows this versus that guy knows that, and then obviously when people started to bridge the gap on the martial arts point, you still had guys that were all technique and all focused on martial arts, but weren't necessarily focusing on the athletics. Mm -hmm. And then now more and more, that's the fucking standard. Mm -hmm. Like you got to have world-class cardio. You got to be explosive. You got to have all your ducks in a row, just like an NFL guy does. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's a balance. And I think that it's, um, it's kind of secular, at least with me as to like where my focus has to be for each, each, each fight, each opponent, um, some some guys you really have to. It's it's a technique and tactical based uh, game plan. Other guys is really, um, you know, athleticism and but not that you don't have to have that for for every single fight. But yeah, focus shifts. You talked a bit about that in a in a recent article you did with Flow Combat, how it changes each time, and mm-hmm. uh, you've had some time off, right? I Dive have. into that. What have you been up to? Uh, a lot of stuff, man. Um, kind of trying to figure out some stuff to do outside of the cage. I was doing some some medical sales for a little while, which was cool in one sense and kind of fucking boring in another sense. Weed? Like, Cannabis? Uh, no, no, man. <laughs> um, oh, not that cool? No, no, not that cool. Uh, I was doing like, like, like fucking selling... Prosthetics? Medical implants. So uh, like pins and plates and screws to help put people back together okay after they break their wrist or their leg um and then how does that work is it like fucking door to door like you show up in some guy's hospital room and you're like really want to set you up with the the titanium screws our opponent our our competition is going to try to sell you on steel i'm telling you titanium is the way to go uh it's like that, but with the doctor. You got to okay. you got to do that beforehand with the doctor, with the hospital, and there's a lot of hoops to jump through. Um, but it's yeah, it's interesting in the sense that I get to learn a lot of shit. You know, I've been spent about 20 years figuring out how to break people, and now um, you know learning how they put them back together is you know a different different facet. Um, but then you get to go into surgery, so that was pretty sweet. Um, just see him cut people open. I saw some crazy shit, some knee replacements, oh, wow. and shoulders, and stuff like that, and, um, which was interesting. But you also can't do anything. You kind of sit there with your fucking hands on your arms and like mark shit on a piece of paper. And ultimately, I figured that that's not for me. I got to move. I got to be hands on. I'm like a you know I'm a physical person, so. Um, I, I, you know, I'm still kind of involved in that from a, a, like a outside, you know, like managing some shit, 
but um through that i met a met a dude and we started a coffee company out in albuquerque and been doing that slanging coffee um, and the name is 100 hands 100 that- hands coffee yeah man um and that's been cool you know we we started about six months ago and we've done a lot of things in a pretty short period of time it's been exciting and um you know, got to drink a lot of coffee and meet a lot of people. So that's, that's cool. That's yeah. A plus. That market's not going anywhere. Yeah, right? for sure. You're selling a, um, a legal addictive substance that more and more people are, are all about. So that's been, that's been fun and having to use different parts of my, my brain and my, my skill set. um, which some, you know, some of what I've done in MMA has transferred over, um, as, you know, as far as, you know, meeting and talking to people and kind of being a, uh, fucking carny and you know um, get, <laughs> being on the road you, constantly face to face with people exactly yeah. exactly um so yeah i've been doing that and in training been you know staying in shape and trying to do different stuff and learning i think i've come i've come a long way as a martial artist not having to be in training camp yeah that's a big one i think there's so because the learning curve is so steep for a lot of people when you first get in like there is no time off. There's no fucking time to waste. You have to keep learning. You have to keep perfecting. And then you get to a point where, well, I don't know if I ever got to that point, but obviously you're so fucking well-rounded. You get to a point where maybe now you can focus and redirect some of your energy elsewhere mm-hmm. and take a deep breath from it. Mm-hmm. And when you come back, even with time away, you're better for that time off. Yeah, I think so. Um, not necessarily having to just be in the grind all the time. It's it's definitely beneficial, and I, I've heard that from different people. Um, I talked to talked to TJ Lavin, um, the the BMX guy. Uh-huh. Uh, he's a friend of mine, and he you know he said after his injury, sometimes you know he'd be out for a while, like broken legs and stuff like that, and just sitting and visualizing, not actually being able to train or ride or do his thing, um, just visualizing uh, made him better. He came back, you know, a, a, a better athlete just more more on point hell yeah so what are some of the things that you've been working on martial arts wise and prep for this obviously <laughs> people ask fucking stupid questions it used to drive me crazy when i was fighting because they'd be like uh how are you preparing preparing to win this fight like no you don't get to fucking hear that like this you don't <laughs> think my fucking opponent's reading this fucking thing right. so this this will air before the fight with magni uh-huh. but i mean what are what are some different things you've been working on maybe not necessarily in preparation for magni but just stuff you wanted to improve uh i've been working a lot of my jits man um and i've i've always loved jujitsu um when i when i first learned jujitsu it, it was very geared towards mma mm-hmm. and that's a, it's a that's a different kind of um it's a different approach, you know, honestly, having to incorporate strikes. So, uh, and having to, yeah, it's, 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 it's a different approach as, as opposed to just very, very traditional, um, or, uh, yeah, traditional jujitsu. Yeah. Playing on your back, being comfortable, not worrying about getting hit. Yeah. Totally different animal. And flowing and, and doing all the stuff like the, the 10th planet guys. So, um, yeah, I've been really, really focusing on on jujitsu and um you know also my boxing just my really really basic um footwork and you know going back to the basics you know jabs one twos and you know i've always been a really dynamic striker but um you know going back and perfecting the little stuff and you know hopefully that adds to my overall overall performance and overall game hell yeah brother 
Well, we kind of jumped right into the technical side and what's going on, uh, where you've been and all that stuff, but I want to take it a step back. Okay. You know, when I interviewed uh, Uriah Faber and Ryan Bader, there's something that I always am curious about. What got you into fighting? Like, what made you want to do this? Did you fight when you were growing up? Like, because it's a different feel. It's not like, hey, I want to fucking play football when I get older. Mm -hmm. And you watch guys on TV your whole life. I mean, fighting wasn't popular and it wasn't viewable for a lot of us. And then when it first started, it's a completely different game now than it was then. Mm -hmm. Where was your fucking interest? Absolutely. Dude, honestly, it came from like late 80s and early 90s martial arts movies. Um, it came from uh, fucking Ninja Turtles. Uh, <laughs> honestly, um, yeah, a, a lot of it came from from movies. Uh, I was I, I was just always drawn to um, I was just always drawn to martial arts. Uh, I, I I was getting in fights as a kid, um, but you know I was I was into Ninja Turtles and like I think that was like the second movie that I ever saw was that first Ninja Turtle movie and that was. You know, looking back, it was, a, it was a good, good movie in itself. Uh, and I just, I, w I wanted to be a fucking ninja or something when I grew up and would always, you know, train with my friends. And, you know, we would, I had some other, you know, tough kids in the neighborhood that I was friends with and we would always box and, and wrestle and, and do some different stuff. And then when I was nine, I got, uh, I started wrestling. My dad put me in wrestling and, and I dug it. Like I had, I had swam and i played soccer and i i was a competitive kid but i didn't really love those sports mm -hmm. hated to lose so i tried hard but i just eh, it wasn't my thing i always got in trouble when i played soccer because i was like roughing up the other kids yellow and, card red card yeah yep. and i was just Same boat. i was too aggressive man they put they made me the goalie so that i couldn't freaking assault the other kids and i started wrestling and i was like yeah this is this is what i like to do and so I wrestled, and that was actually that f the first year that I wrestled. I think it was like '93, and I saw one of my wrestling coaches had um, UFC in his in his office. He put like it was, it, I think it was UFC one, and I saw it like as a nine or ten year old kid, and I was like, "Holy shit, this is badass! This is real life blood sport. This is this is the real deal. It's the kumite. It is." And so after that, I was I was all about MMA. Like I was like through the dark ages. Uh, you know where you could only get you know video cassettes at uh, at, at blockbuster, at blockbuster in the in yeah. the special interest section. Me and my buddy would go and freaking get a couple of get a you know get a couple of uh, tapes and watch them. And I would stay up all fucking night and like to see is Don Fry gonna win you know UFC six or you know whatever it was. Um, and you know from there. Uh, I, when I was in high school, I was like, okay, you know, wrestling season had just ended and I, I was like, you know, I, I knew that wrestlers did well and I, I was like, fuck it, you know, let's see if there's somewhere that I can do this. And I looked in the phone book and I found Jackson's, I think it was Jackson's ground fighting and stick fighting because they used to do the <laughs> stick fighting That's stuff. Badass. And I just, I called them up and, uh, you know, that kind of the rest is history. Hell yeah. So you were from New Mexico originally. Yeah. yeah and then uh, how far was Jackson's from you? Uh, well, so there was two locations at the time. Uh, the east side location was, was pretty far. And I wasn't, I, was, I think I was 15. I wasn't even driving at the time. So my dad drove me down. And I saw they were, you know, doing jits. And I was like, holy shit, this is, this is, this is what I want to do. Um, and the other, the other location was closer to me. 
Um, so I started going to going to that one, and um, it was still a, a good drive. But my dad would my dad was like saw that I was into it, and you know supported me in it. So he'd get off work and then freaking take me down every day, and you know. And I was training with older guys. There was nobody who was my age that was doing it. So I I started training with guys who were in their mid twenties. Um, you know, like full grown ass men sparring and fighting with them. And I think that's kind of why I progressed so quickly. I had to, it was kind of like thrown to the wolves. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's also really fortunate when you look back and you're like, Hey man, this, this small ass gym that I went to would become Jackson Wink MMA. Yeah. You know, it's like, Oh, you know, uh, you know, people go to a small gym or they go to this place and they're like, it never it never manifests into something or they end up being a big fish in a small pond and they got to go leave to to join a big camp or or they bring people in to build something around themselves mm-hmm. but how fortunate that that was the fucking small small town spot down the street from you yeah absolutely it was, there was a lot of a lot of kind of serendipitous things that fell into place to kind of bring me to where i'm at and uh kind of where where my journey took me Hell yeah, brother. Mm-hmm. So how, how has your mindset changed throughout this? And I don't necessarily mean like, well, we could talk outlook on life, but also just, um, and we touched on that with, you know, wanting to think about the future and what you're going to do after fighting. But how has the mindset changed from when you were first getting into, the, into those first pro fights up until now as you approach, uh, you know, really trying to get back into title contention and, and being one or two fights away, really? Uh-huh. Uh well, you know, when I first started, it was it was really underground. It was almost like a rebellious thing. Like nobody else did it. Nobody there's no nobody else in my in my school or anybody that I knew who was training. And so it was kind of like my thing, like this underground. I go out and I I go and I train with these like the these bouncers that train that that um work at all like the gnarliest places in Albuquerque and we do this crazy, you know, fucking cage fighting stuff and and it was just like instead of like following a traditional route, everybody, you know, all my friends are kind of getting ready to go to college and doing all this. I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to do that. I'm gonna I'm gonna be a cage fighter, um, you know. And and my, you know, my, my, I think my I don't know if my dad was like really care. I don't know. I don't know where my dad was with all that, but my mom definitely wasn't cool with that. Um, <laughs> I want you to go to school. I don't want you to get hit in the face. Yeah, right. And I, and I, as a parent, I understand that, man. Like I, I tell my kids the same thing. My my seven year old's all about like wanting to be a fighter right now. I'm like, oh hell no. <laughs> uh-uh. You got a, You got a good brain on you. You're gonna use it for something other than absorbing punches. Uh, but like as I got older, um, 18, 19, it was kind of all I had going on. Like I was good at this and the, the sport was starting to emerge. It hadn't blown up yet. That's, this was like pre ultimate fighter. So it was still the dark ages. I was making like 250 bucks a fight in like the middle of nowhere in Albuquerque. Um, but I enjoyed it and I kind of didn't have much else going on. And, um, I don't know. I just had a sense that it was going to be a big thing. It was a big thing in Albuquerque. It was kind of, it was, you know, it was, there's a lot of buzz around MMA. You know, there's some other, you know, other big fighters coming up or, you know, at the time, big fighters, Diego Sanchez uh, and, and Keith Jardine and some mm-hmm. other dudes were, the you know, mean. they were doing some, some bigger things. And, 
And I was also getting to travel. I was getting to do some cool shit and, you know, go go and fight in Japan and go and train in Thailand and do a bunch of stuff that, you know, other other people my age weren't weren't able to do. And um, and then as I you know as I started competing at a higher level, it really I I, I got more focused and realized that I can be one of the top guys in the sport. I can actually be a champion and. Um, I just got a razor focus on 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 training and and um, being the best that I could be as a, as a fighter and um, you know kind of became more professional became a professional athlete mm-hmm. instead of just like this guy who's doing this kind of for fun and just kind of doing doing whatever and then uh, you know my and then had you know had my got married and had my son and then things really got real okay now this is you know i'm not just you know an athlete you know training to be the best i'm you know, just supporting a family so yeah you gotta provide it, yeah so it's been an evolution through all that and and now um it's very very much about making a living man you know i enjoy what i do and i've i've had the chance to live my dream and uh, at this point you know capitalizing on on that capitalizing on the opportunity that i have um I'm still still young. I'm still I still got the fire. Uh, my body's still in it. Uh, so, you know, fucking might as well take it for as as much as I can get out of it. Yeah, stakes are higher definitely when there's when there's kids involved. Mm-hmm. It's not just uh, you trying to climb the ladder. It's you got you got other people you're looking after. Got mouths to feed and got people to, um, eh, you know. And, and it's it's not just that it's making a living, but it's also you know you're modeling you're modeling things for your kids and you know showing them uh, you know hard work and perseverance, uh, determination that that grind that hustle, uh, that's all important stuff. Yeah, tackling fear too, yeah. it's yeah, not definitely. easy, man. Everyone's fucking <laughs> the whole thing shifts when the cage door shuts. You know it does. Well, and it's it's the lead up too. It's not just yeah. when actually when when the cage door shuts, that's actually the easier part. It's like struggling with struggling with um, the insecurities, struggling with the what ifs, um, having to wrestle with you know just all this different stuff in your brain in in the lead up to the fight. That's more once you get out there and you do it. The fighting parts that's easy, man. Hitting, getting hit, like you do that, you know how to train for that. But it's like the psychological and emotional roller coaster in the. You know, in the you know weeks leading up to the fight, that's really the the bitch. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that hundred mm-hmm. percent. So, what's changed for you over time, diet wise? Like, you, everyone looks for these things. What are the ways I can improve myself to enhance recovery? What are the ways that I can get an edge on my opponents? And and obviously, you've always been fucking fit and have incredible cardio and in shape. Has as much changed with uh, your diet over time? Yeah, absolutely. So when I was first starting out, dude, I was you know, dollar value menu at, at Wendy's, um, in part because I didn't know any better. And then also because I was broke as fuck. Um, and then I learned, I, I, I started working with a trainer and he gave me a rundown on nutrition and, you know, gave me this, this, this whole deal. And he was, he was a really good trainer and a good nutritionist. And I learned, I learned about, you know, macronutrients, micronutrients, fat, protein, all this different stuff. I'm like, holy shit. I'm just, I'm doing this wrong. And from there, it's been an evolution um, of trying to apply that in a practical way to my life because I'm busy, I'm training, 
uh, I have to, um, I, I have to be able to do this and, um, and not, not just do that for myself, but do that, do that for my family. So, um, food is a big part of my life. So I grew up, you know, cooking my, my dad cooks, my whole family cooks. I have kind of a, you know, like a, an emotional connection to, to food and, and family. And that's really where I, I don't know, I feel, um, where I always felt, my best is like when you know family sits down, everybody's eating. It's a kind of a you know a, a, a real um, like an intimate thing and and something that like means a lot to me. And uh, and then food has also been a very uh, you know practical part of my you know my job, having to you know make weight and and be optimized as an athlete. Um, and I've try to bring the two together um as as i've you know as i've I've grown and got a family and so i I cook a lot man um done a lot of a lot of research my wife has been into all different types of diets and um really trying to refine um the the ways that so the way that i initially was applying this is way different than what i'm doing now yeah um you know i i'm uh constantly try trying to learn and and also um applying that in in ways that like no who i don't know anybody who really wants to eat chicken uh, boiled chicken and brown rice and broccoli for every meal yeah. like life's too short to eat boring food yeah like i love food i like i like tasty food but um you can also do that you can also like enjoy your food and still eat well yeah, and there's that, there's it just takes fucking a little effort and a little homework, but there's plenty of fucking super rich fulfilling meals where you leave the meal and you don't feel gypped. You don't feel like I had to fucking sacrifice all these things that I enjoy in life just to fucking be healthy. Yeah. But you get a fucking good healthy meal, you eat as much as you want and you're still feeling optimized, you're still feeling great. Definitely, man. And and it's it's uh I don't know, the, there's a lot of different um facets to that um food like when i eat shitty food i feel shitty like i i don't i don't feel good people are like oh you just you eat healthy all the time it's like i like that type of food i like to i mean and i'm not i try to do like a you know 90 10 like i don't i don't uh, restrict myself you know i eat whatever you know sweets and, and that here and there but that's not really my thing anyway um but when I when I eat like crap, I feel like shit, man. Um, I f- I feel better. I have more energy um, for myself, for my family. I'm just like even emotionally, I feel better when I'm eating better. Um, and that's and I, and I think a lot of there there's there's science behind that too. Yeah, hundred percent. A lot of people, especially now, all the research coming out on the microbiome, you realize how much our bacteria contributes to our neurotransmitter production. It's not just I'm going to eat this bad meal and possibly gain a few pounds. It's Mm-mm. I'm going to eat this bad meal. All the fucking pain that I've had from my knee for 10 years is going to come back. Whatever joint, chronic inflammation, I'm going to fucking re, re, rehash that, refuel mm-hmm. the fire. And I'm going to think less clearly. I might have some brain fog. I might sleep like shit. Mm-hmm. And I might be an asshole mm-hmm. next time my kid is, is a little bitchy or, or just being a kid. Yeah. You know, there, it, it all fucking goes into that emotional state. Yeah. Uh, cognitive ability it all starts with the gut mm-hmm. and that's a fucking weird thing for people to realize because so much of it's just you know i eat for pleasure you know mm-hmm. like like uh aubrey and joe talk about that you know the 
eating for mouth pleasure. Like this thing makes me feel good because it tastes good. Yeah. As opposed to let's let's look at the consequences of this of this choice I'm going to make. Yeah, man, it's almost like and when and when you eat like that, it is it gives you a dopamine release, right? You eat you know super sweet, salty, fatty, artificially delicious food. It gives you that dopamine release, right? But then you have that come down. You have that, and and it's similar to drugs. Same same kind of thing, man. You you know you you get this high boom i feel great for a second and then like long term it fucks me all up um as opposed to like let's do you know let's do something that is maybe not as you know you know firework you know it's not fireworks in my mouth but it's you know long term i feel i feel better yeah the guy worthwhile the guy in uh supersized me i forget his name but he was by the by like mid i think he did it for six weeks he ate mcdonald's every day for either a month or six mm-hmm. weeks but like midway i think on the three three week mark it shows him like getting his meal and he's fucking just juiced to the gills happy like oh fuck yeah oh man i can't wait and like before he can finish it he's already in this oh fuck my life uh-huh. like just completely sunk it, uh-huh. it was that fast uh-huh. for him and obviously dude's eating three squares or four squares a day of mcdonald's that's going to be accelerated right mm-hmm. but at the same time like I, I think of it this way like with i have a gluten intolerance and it's like one of the things people do when they do an elimination diet or a paleo diet is they'll they'll go without you know problematic inflammatory foods for for three weeks to a month mm-hmm. and then they reintroduce those yep. and a lot of uh functional doctors will say like you know, if if it's cheese, you're going to try just have a, squ- a little square of cheese or have like a, a half a piece of bread. And it's like, no, bitch, eat a fucking loaf of bread, eat a plate of pasta, eat a fucking giant hunk of cheese or drink a tall glass of milk. Because if that fucks you up, then any small amount of that is going to fuck you up. Mm-hmm. You just it just may go under the radar. Yeah. And, right? and maybe small, small inflammatory stuff as opposed to like this, like, yeah, like really fucking you up on a like a, yeah. Yeah, run into the can because Mm -hmm. (laughs) you don't tolerate that well. Yep. Right? I think that's a big, big point for people to get. So have you ever worked with anybody? I mean, a lot of the guys at Jackson's are fairly forward thinking. Have you guys ever, have you personally ever worked with like a sports psychologist or anybody on birth work, visualization, things like that? You mentioned TJ Lavin talking about it. Has that been something that you've kind of embodied in your game? Um, I haven't worked with anybody specific. I do do a lot of meditation. I do do um, some visualization um and and uh and i've done that for a long time it kind of just on my like that's something that i've kind of stumbled across on on my own now really I and mean, this is almost like pre it's not pre-internet but pre you know like i wasn't looking all this stuff up on the internet yeah. but i just um the mental game was huge for me and i and i always had my own process um and that's not necessarily a fun process. Um, my, like I talked about, it's it's that emotional roller coaster, and sitting through that, sitting with that un- uncomfortability, and being s- super, almost crawling out of my skin, anxious before the fight, um, always lended itself to uh, to better performances. Um, being getting a lot of those nerves, a lot of those butterflies out, um, you know, three weeks out, two weeks out, a week out, um, and dealing with that, 
um, through through meditation, through visualization, through like whatever, being in it, sitting in that uh, that anxiety. That by the time I'm in the dressing room and I'm warming up, all that's gone. All I I all I have is you know clarity and fire, and I'm ready to go out there and do my thing. And um, I think a lot of when I've done that, it's reflected in my in my fight. I, I go out there, I'm loose, I'm I'm flowing, I'm doing you know I'm doing what I need to do, and I'm I'm at my best. Um, there's fights where I haven't had that. There's fights where I've just kind of been calm and cool and collected, and those fights haven't been. It's in a sense, I'm more thankful. Like I'm like, oh, you know, I feel I feel good this week. I'm cool, no problem. But I don't fight as well. When I'm yeah. when I don't when I'm not crawling out of my skin with anxiety the week before it's a weird thing man it's a weird thing I get that I think if, to extrapolate to a lot of people listening to this that aren't fighters it's it's the idea of giving yourself tools to handle those stressors mm -hmm. because even though for most people they're not going to be worried about a guy knocking their head off in eight weeks and every week leading up to it there's still you know the everyday stressors of life and there's a lot of fighters, and I know plenty when, you know, from my years at AKA, that they'd rather avoid it. Mm -hmm. They'd rather just say, let me play fucking video games, let me watch movies, let me do anything to take my mind off the fact that I am going to have to go into battle. You know, and they just, they constantly put something in front of their mind to take it elsewhere, rather than learning how to be comfortable in their own skin, figuring out ways to deal with the stress of the inevitable. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's the same thing that goes for fucking everyone listening to this. There are tools that can help you with everyday stress. And if you have access to that, next time you go to the tool set in the garage, like you can access those things that allow you to be comfortable with right now. Because mm -hmm. that's really what it is. An eight-week camp seems short, but every fucking 24-hour day that goes up to that, that's a whole new day to think about how far am I along in the camp? Mm -hmm. Did I fucking run enough? Uh, this rib injury or my, you know, I got fucking nailed in the leg. Is my knee going to hold up? Whatever the case is, there's always something, right? Absolutely. And there's always something in life. You always got a fucking deadline at your job. Mm -hmm. You've always got the next thing. You've always got Aunt Flo in town with the wife. Whatever, whatever the stressor is, mm -hmm. it's fucking there. Mm -hmm. And and it makes you a better person knowing how to navigate those waters. Yeah, and not and not escape like you're talking about. Not mm -hmm. because it's still there. Even if we even if we run away, we escape. No matter what, like I have this fight coming up. It's I, I signed the paper. Like I, I I'm I'm set. I'm scheduled to you know fight this other trained savage in a cage. Um, whether I, you know, escape those thoughts and those feelings, uh, that you know, it doesn't matter. It's still it's still happening. And so if I I can, I, like you said, if I could deal with that, if I can sit in that and um, deal with that in a, in, a, in, a, in a healthy way or a present way, being present through that instead of just running away and escaping and numbing out, it's important. Um, what, are the, what are the types of meditation that you do? Is it mostly quiet mind? Do you focus on breathing? Are you just trying to clear your mind? Or when you sit quietly... Are you actually, you know, maybe doing some rehearsal of things that you know will be problematic? Yeah, I do both. Uh, so, you know, it, depending on the, on the time of day, because mm -hmm. s sitting and doing visualization of a fight, I get kind of keyed up. So it's not something I want to do like before bed or yeah, something like that. that before bed. So so midday I'm doing um, sitting and really just, OK, what, what will I start like on the way to the arena? 
like what is going to be like i try to you know imagine put myself in that that position feel that feeling let that anxiety flow through me um what is it like when i'm warming up visualize myself getting my hands wrapped i'm getting my hands wrapped in real life i mean that is really at a point where like oh man this is this is the real deal i don't know what it is but um it's just a very a very tangible thing it's like okay this is happening. Mm-hmm. This is there's, there's like no turning back from yeah, this. Yeah, I think before that you're like um, dicking around in the locker room, just keep it at a low boil. Mm-hmm. I can warm up a little bit here and there, but my hands aren't even wrapped yet. And the second the tape starts going on, you're like, okay, this is oh, real. All right, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, so I, I basically try to walk myself through in a very um, precise way what it's going to be like, what the what the canvas feels like under my feet. Uh, you know, the, the crowd, that whole deal leading up to the fight. And then, you know, I, I think about, you know, game plan and all that. And I do that earlier in the day, midday, um, not, not every day, um, some days, um, because I got other shit going on. I don't have a lot of time to do that, but, um, when I can find time for myself, I, I do that. Um, uh, and then as far as that's like my, my visualization and then meditation, uh, you know, a lot of it's focusing on breathing, being in my body, um, you know, trying not to let my mind go different places, you know, just t- typical, typical meditation. Um, you know, it's, you know, you could find all kinds of apps and shit online of, you know, just breathe and be with yourself and, you know, focus on, you know, the, you know, your present surroundings and all that. I do a lot of that. And that's just quieting your mind, I think helps on a, on a lot of different levels. Um, it helps you not run off or let your mind run off with that anxiety and the what ifs, because you can't control any of that. You know, you can control, boom, I got this right now. Like I got this in front of me. I got this training session. This is what I'm doing right now. And if I, um, give a hundred percent of my um, my energy and my uh, my abilities to this. The bigger picture is going to be okay, um, and maybe it's not. Maybe it's not. Maybe you know. Maybe ultimately I get knocked the fuck out. You know, but I can't control that right now. What I got is boom, right, right, this right now, and I have a better chance of doing better um, later on and things working out the way that I you know, I would like them to work out being successful, whatever it is that I'm doing is if I focus on this right now and not worry about all this other bullshit that I can't, you know, that I can't, uh, um, change because it doesn't matter. It did like the future doesn't exist, right? It's just yeah. only it's, now it's what you got. Yeah. I think you touched on a great, a great perspective point for a lot of people is to, to figure out what's in your control and what's outside of your control. And only the present moment is inside your control. And how you how you change that or what you choose to focus on in the present moment can affect the future, but the future's not here yet. So to spend all your time worried about what's gonna happen, like it's much better use if you utilize that time to focus on how you can change things in your everyday right now mm-hmm. in preparation for what's gonna happen. Mm-hmm. And making that shift of knowing like what's the difference? Well, the difference is this is outside of my control down the road. It's not here yet. And then this is the shit that's inside my control. This is what I'm training today. Or, uh, you know, you're recovering from an injury and you can't fucking use your, your right leg. I interviewed Matt Vincent, Highland Games champion. And he was like, I, I'm on crutches for a year and a half. I can't do shit. It doesn't mean I can't waddle into a fucking gym 
have somebody grab me two 20 pound dumbbells and just sit in an incline bench and crush my upper body for an hour, mm-hmm. right? That's in his control. So that's what he focused on. And that can make all the difference in the world, in the fight and outside of it. Absolutely. Yeah. You break your hand, you go and you work on your, you work on your straight right. You work on, you know, you work on all the other things that you can do. Yeah. Footwork, kicks, knees, all that shit. Mm-hmm. Watching, flowing. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. So uh, you talked a bit about trying to see what you're looking at future-wise when this all ends. How long do you see yourself? I mean, you, you, obviously you are young. You haven't taken a ton of damage. Uh, I retired fairly young for most fighters at 32, but I had taken a fair amount of damage. You know? yeah. <laughs> well, you know have... what? Honestly, I wouldn't say that I haven't taken damage. I've been, you know, You've I have been in wars. I've been in cer- wars, and I haven't. You know, I, and it's all relative, right? It's all like. I no, I guess I would say that I've taken a lot of damage. I've been at this, you know, since I was 15 years old. Um, even before that, I played, you know, I played football um, for a few years. And you know, you can imagine me as a as a middle schooler playing football. I was just kind of a crazy bastard with you know with reckless abandon. And uh, um, no, I've, I've I've taken a fair amount of damage, um, especially in in sparring and training more so. And that that's the idea, right? You want to you know, train, they say train hard, fight easy. Um, and, but I think that that has, um, you know, that, that that's within reason too. I mean, sparring too hard isn't a good, isn't a good thing, but when you're young and you're like, Oh, I get to fight, I get to go and train every day. And I get to, I get to every, every time you strap the gloves on, I say, like, Oh hell yeah. If you like to fight, I get to fight and you go out there and you do your thing. Um, so, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm 33 now. Depending on you know how long you fought, how you fought, you know, you know, your training. Um, 33 can be young, or 33 can be old. Um, I think I'm kind of kind of in the middle there. I don't know. I don't know how much longer I got. Um, right now, like like we were just talking about, I'm focused on you know, this fight. This is this is my um, you know, this is my my main uh, my main thing right now is going out there and um you know competing to the best of my ability training and, and being ready for this this deal i have a tough opponent and um you know depending on how this goes we'll we'll see what everything else looks like but um you know i, I don't know it's a good question yeah yeah and uh medical sales being kind of out you're going to focus on the coffee um yeah definitely that i mean that's i i will most likely do a number of things i love to teach i love to teach martial arts and and share what i know and my perspective and this thing that has been you know such a uh, an awesome experience in my life going and and showing other people because it's been not only great for me like on a professional level but on a personal level like i've grown a lot through this i've learned a lot of different stuff and you know i wouldn't necessarily recommend being a freaking cage fighter to everybody but hey you know it's a being a martial artist is uh it's it's a powerful thing martial arts in itself and just the ability to uh you know defend yourself and handle yourself and the the confidence and and poise that that brings somebody is um it's a powerful thing continuing to share that um coffee you know that's i i'm digging that gig um food also um i i've been working with a with a chef in town in albuquerque and uh 
we may be doing some some different different stuff um, with regards to uh, you know nutrition. The 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 guy that I've been working with. I mean, we source everything locally and um, really trying to build a, a you know, build and enhance the 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 food um, the food and culinary uh, uh, scene in 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 Albuquerque. And, you know, and then who knows? Maybe taking that, doing doing different stuff online, and you know, I'd like to do a. Um, yeah, I don't know where that's going to take me, but I have I have a lot of different interests, and I'm, you know, right now taking taking steps to try to you know cultivate those as as ways of you know making money and, and sharing what I know. Oh yeah, brother. What are some of the things that you're into, like outside of fighting? You know, when you're not in camp, obviously you're still working on things. Uh, involved in in helping your game progress but what are your hobbies like what do you do what do you enjoy uh i spend a lot of time with my kids man uh that's like first and foremost i'm a dad um you know i've been been a fighter for a long time but i you know i'm really meant to be like i'm i'm, I'm a good dad and i spend a lot of time with my kids um and i like to get outside I like to like to hike and camp and hunt and you know sh shoot my bow and fish. I'm yeah, kind of a like a. a yeah, I'm not. I wouldn't say that I'm like a major outdoorsman, but I enjoy that stuff. Um, getting outside and then I cook a lot. You know, you know. Yeah, what a beautiful way to be tied to your food too. Like yeah. so many people, you watch the movie Food Inc. and you're and you're like. Oh yeah, like we go, we see this perfectly packaged meat, and it's all prepped and ready to go. And if it's from the factory farm, they've dyed it red to make it look more pleasable, pleasing to the eyes, things like that. And then the concept that you would actually go and hunt for your own food and clean the animal and go through that whole process mm -hmm. of of actually knowing what it takes mm -hmm. to source your own food, yeah, the connection you have to that food, yep, and prepping that food and making it for your family, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And it's, it's tough, man. Like I, I didn't grow up, I didn't grow up, uh, hunting at all. And so I, this is more of a recent thing. Like, uh, you know, four or five years ago I started doing this and it's, it's tough. I'm not very good at it. Like it's, is that's, I mean, if, if that's how I was making a living, if that's how I was putting food on the table, it would be, you know, I don't know. I think I'd be a lot of fasting, a lot of fasting. Absolutely. <laughs> a lot of, a lot of eating plants. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's definitely a, a character building experience, you know, getting out there and and working really hard and having, you know, being out there grinding, grinding, grinding up and down hills out in the mountains and then, you know, blowing a stalk because the wind changed or something like that. Um, you just you appreciate the fact that, hey, I can go and I can get a I can get a burger uh, really, really easily. I mean, it, it, it gives you a lot of, a lot of perspective on, um, just yeah, on, on a lot of things on how really easy it is and how, how, e how good we have it mm -hmm. to just be able to go and, Oh, you know, I'll, I'll get food. And it, I mean, it's such a, such, um, something we don't think about a lot. Yeah. I went hunting, I went elk hunting recently and I got, I figured as I haven't shot in a while, Maybe I'll miss, maybe I won't, but I'll at least get to take a shot. I didn't see an elk till the last day. It was Thanksgiving Day. I saw the ass of one elk before it was fucking long gone. Mm -hmm. 
And I was so demoralized mm -hmm. in that moment, but at the same time, so appreciative of how easy it is in life yep. for us with what we've built for ourselves. Mm -hmm. You know, just this idea I can have, I could go buy elk if I wanted. I could go do this and that. Yep. I wanted to be a part of that. I wanted to have that experience of cleaning the animal and knowing this is where my food came from. And every time we cook that animal, that I earned that animal, mm -hmm. you know? Absolutely. Yeah, man. Um, yeah, it's, it's, a uh, it's a different thing. And I know that, I mean, there's, there's, it's kind of a polarizing, uh, issue or con conversation, but ultimately, I mean, if you, if you eat, if you eat meat, you shouldn't kind of, you should know, you should know where it comes from. Otherwise you're, you're a scavenger, right? <laughs> yeah. You're just eating like somebody else. Yeah. You're eating something that somebody else killed. Well, even if you eat grain, for all the vegans out there, just listen to Rogan talk about how many fucking rodents and deer that are bedded get fucking chopped up in those machines. You're, 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 there's there's animal death there. Yeah. If you listen to Aubrey and I talk about ayahuasca, plants are conscious. There's you're taking the life of something that's alive at the very least. You know mm -hmm. it's alive, mm -hmm. whether you agree it's conscious or not. Uh, there can argument can be made on both sides of that too, mm -hmm. right? Life takes life, and the closer our food is to living, the better it is for us. The more dead that food is and man-made it is, the less healthy it is for us. Agreed. So how old are your kids? Uh, I have a seven-year-old, and then I have a 15-month-old. Wow, congrats. Yeah, man. Damn, balls deep in the no-sleep zone. Yeah, he's a pretty good sleeper, but still. Um, I hate you. It's a, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> he, he's, a, he's a good sleeper. Both of my kids are. Um, but, yeah, it's still a lot, man. Yeah. It's still a lot. Oh, yeah. Yeah, my son took a, he's two and a half. He took his first shit yesterday in the in the little little pee pee putty. All right, by himself, not in a diaper. I was so pumped. <laughs> we filmed it. Nice. Fil filmed the turd too. It was a nice, <laughs> glorious poop in there. You know what, man? Like potty training, you want them to get potty trained, and then in the first maybe couple months, it's a pain in the ass because, like, with my son, my older son, it was like it was this new novel thing. And like he wanted to go to the bathroom all the time, even when it's it just like the whole process. Hey, I like washing my hands. I like doing all the things. It's like we've we've been at this restaurant for like an, you know half an hour, and you've wanted to go to the bathroom three times. Like when they're when they're still in diapers, <laughs> you can kind of control that, and you know. But uh, yeah, yeah. So. Is it just pee pee? I'll change you when I feel like exactly. It. If it's shit, I'll change you now. Yeah. Yeah, yep. stuff like that. My son's the same way. Routine's a big deal for kids, you know? It's it really is. And it's I don't know, you read that in books and things like that, but when you see it in practice, especially when they start speaking, you're like, Oh, you really dig this. Like this is an important piece that adds some value to life, like some type of normalcy. Mm -hmm. You know, and then when they get it down and you start to see them like my son loves brushing his teeth, you know, mm -hmm. and he'll request it sometimes five times a day and it's like dude your fucking teeth are good like i don't know anybody that brushes their teeth this much uh -huh. it's like no daddy toothbrush you know he'll brush his teeth with my toothbrush and with his uh -huh. when he's done little things like that what do you um you know you mentioned the fact that you don't want your son probably both you don't want your sons to fight um i played football since i was 10 finished at arizona state and then got into fighting and obviously i'm taking my licks in both uh, you see all the stuff coming out on CTE and shit like that with NFL players mm -hmm. and how high that is. And, it, you know, I, I talked to some of my friends that are that are older and have older kids. And a buddy of mine, um, former military guy, he won't even watch football anymore because he doesn't want his kids to gravitate towards that. And he doesn't want to take that from them, 
but he doesn't want to just have them be fans of it and be drawn towards it. Mm-hmm. Like, how far do you go in, in helping that decision to not do that? Because my dad told me from day one, he's like, you can play football, but you can't fight. So my granddad boxed. My dad did full contact karate. He did some of the tough man shit back in the day. And I was like, I want to do that. And he's like, no, you're not allowed to do it. You'll never do it. And I just kept it from him. I was 3-0 and as a pro fighter before I ever fucking told him. Oh, snap. And my uncle ended up calling him. He's like, man, my nephew's doing good. And he was like, yeah, he's, he's doing good. What do you, fuck do you mean? And he's like, he's 3-0. and <laughs> What are you talking about? He's crushing it. And uh, my dad was like, 3-0 and and what? He's like, professional fighting. He's fighting in mixed martial arts. What do you, what the fuck do you mean you don't know? Wow. Like, I got to have a conversation. <laughs> and dad ended up being cool about it at that point. But, yeah. you know, it's kind of like the... Uh, the Catholic girl who's never allowed to do shit, you know, <laughs> almost like uh, what's the fucking Kevin Bacon movie? The old, the old, uh, throw me a bone here, Ryan. Huh? Footloose. Yeah. Footloose. No music, no dancing, and then you got to have it. Uh-huh. Right? Uh-huh. How, how do you construct that, wanting them to have something better for themselves? <sighs> yeah, you know, man, it's, it's a fine line. Like, I, I want my sons to be martial artists. I... For a lot of the reasons that I laid out earlier, mm-hmm. um, I really feel like it. You know, develop. You know, you develop as a human on a lot of different levels, um, but like it, it's a fine line between them. You know, exposing them and getting them into it, and them actually wanting to be a fight. Like I, I wouldn't necessarily be against my sons having some fights. I mean, I think going through that process and getting punched in the nose and. And, and, and doing that whole thing, I, I do feel like that's character building. But do I want them to do it for a living? No, I don't. Fuck no. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Like, it, like my, my older son's wrestling right now. Uh, and wrestling wrestling's a tough sport. Yeah. Like it's, that's a, it's a combat sport. Wrestling yeah. is, oh, yeah. is without It's one of the doubt, original martial arts, it for is, sure. It is a combat sport, and him just going to practice and get roughed up and you know, having, to, having to sit with that and deal with that and then go out there and do it again, it's, I, mean, I, I do feel like it's good for him. Um, as far as the CTE stuff and, and the, the brain trauma, you know, if, if guys aren't worried about that, if fighters aren't worried about that, they should be. Um, it's, it is a big deal. Um, it's something that we have to be cognizant of. Absolutely. And, um, ultimately as a fighter, I mean, it, it's, it's unavoidable. Um, it's something that we're, I mean, uh, you know, and I don't know who, who knows what in the future, what the repercussions of all this stuff have been. Um, I, I think about that a lot. And, um, like I said, I want my, you know, my, my my kids are well, at least my older one. I don't know about the younger. The younger one seems pretty smart, but the older one's definitely he's a smart kid, and I want him using his brain for something other than freaking taking punches or learning how to you know punch somebody else. Uh, so um, I expose him to different stuff. I want him to be a re- well-rounded child um, and a well-rounded adult. Um, so he's doing um, he's, he's you know doing athletics. He wanted to play football, so we put him in flag football because yeah no. <laughs> not not putting him in football football um but he's playing music uh he's he's an artistic kid and just kind of exposing him to lots of different stuff and hopefully you know oh, you know you never have control of what your kids do you can mm-hmm. um you know give them put you can put a bunch of different things in front of them and expose them to different things but ultimately they're going to choose what what they gravitate towards hopefully right yeah um if they don't if they do something 
because you pushed them, pushed it on them. They're not going to love it. They're going to resent you for it. And they're not going to be, you know, a happy, fulfilled person. So, um, I, yeah, I just present them with, with as much different, uh, different things as, as possible. Try to get him a good education and the music thing. I'm really hoping my kid, like he's digging music. So I'm really hoping he gravitates towards that. And is like this, you know, badass musician who can also kick ass if he needs to. <laughs> oh, um, yeah. And that's so that that's what that looks like uh, for now. They do watch fights. All of a sudden, my seven my seven year olds, you know, kind of been into MMA and here here and there. Uh, I've never really like pushed him on pushed it on him or anything. But uh, maybe about eight ten months ago, he starts liking to throw hands. Man, he's all about shadow boxing. All about you know I, I held pads from like one time which I haven't been able to do you know he's never he's always just wanted to punch me in the face I'm like nobody let's hit pads and he's just he's like missing pads and decking me and shit I'm like no bud that's not how it works and he just wants to like be all over me like a little fucking spider monkey um, but I held pads for him and then now he's all about it he's just throwing combos nonstop and. So I don't know, and I, his mom loves that because she, she she definitely doesn't <laughs> she definitely doesn't want them being fighters. Um, but you know, like I said, they're gonna do what they're gonna do. You can kind of just you know guide them as much as you can, and and you know love them and and give them opportunities, and hopefully hopefully they find their way. Yeah. It's just on a couple things that I've been drawn towards. Uh, I have two rules as of now. Those rules may change. And we may add more, but the two rules for, for any kid that we have are you have to do a martial art and you have to learn music. And so the martial art can change, but you're signed up for the year. The music can change, whatever instrument you want to learn, but you're signed up for the year. So if you pick piano and fucking hate it three weeks in, you still got 52 weeks total till you can switch instruments. And if you like jujitsu and you want to continue on with that, great. If you want to learn something else, you can change it at the end of the year, right? You can get into Muay Thai or, or uh, traditional martial art or whatever you want to do. But those two things, I think, can have tremendous, um, just just tremendous change in value to how they behave in the world, how they act as a person. And, you know, you touched on something as a martial artist. Like back in the day, you had this, and I think just from watching the old fighting videos and things like that, you know, the blood sports and everything, the level of respect and discipline you gain from martial arts. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of the traditional martial arts now have been watered down so much to the point where it's a pay to play, you know, like, Hey, little Johnny's going to get his, his uh, half of a white stripe onto his white belt and it's an extra 40 bucks, but he'll mm -hmm. get it. You know, mm -hmm. coach said he's ready and you're paying each time for this kid to get a fucking stripe. And it's like, fuck man, this is, this is, this is capitalism in the brain. It's worst yeah. way. Well, they, they've monetized Whereas, it. Yeah. And that's uh, like, yeah, I, I, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah, I yeah it's, it's, it's a fucked deal, but in jujitsu, you still have that same level of respect. And mm -hmm. even though not every jiu-jitsu instructor is going to make you bow and not every jiu-jitsu instructor is going to do a lot of the things that classic martial arts did, there's so much to be gained from that. And there's so much to be gained in how you walk your path in the world without a chip on your shoulder, mm -hmm. knowing you've already tested yourself. I think, you know, when I look back on all the bullies that I dealt with as a kid, and most of which eventually got to beat the crap out of, uh, 
a lot of those guys got away with intimidation. A lot of those guys got away with, you know, fucking with people because no one ever called them on their shit. And they did that, you know, in part, my guess, from stuff they had going on in the home, stuff they had they didn't appreciate about life and they wanted to take out on other people. Mm-hmm. But you don't see that. I never saw that with the guy who was a black belt in karate. Yeah. I never saw that with the kid who was a black belt in taekwondo because mm-hmm. they get tested every day. Yep. They get a piece of themselves tested and they know like, I don't need to prove shit to anyone. Yep. I'm happy and comfortable with what I know and I don't need to prove that to everybody else. Yeah. And if they do have that stuff going on at home, which I mean, everybody does, you know, nobody's life is fucking perfect. Uh, they have an outlet. Yeah. They have an outlet and it's not, they're not going and, and taking that out on, you know, other, other kids. There's like, okay, this it's a, it's a way to process. It was a way to, to, to deal with it. Yeah. I can get this stuff out that I'm, I have a fucking solid outlet that allows me to really get that physical angst out in a, in a healthier way. Yeah. In a more yeah. productive way. They talked about that in the book, why, why zebras don't get ulcers. And they talked about, you know, in our, in our current life, we get stress from a spouse or a boss or somebody and the mind will replay that event over and over and over again. And the stress stays constant and stress manifests in the body physically through mm-hmm. fucking stress hormones, fight or flight, cortisol, all that shit goes up. There's a physical response to our emotional stress. Whereas back in the day, zebra fucking gets chased by a tiger or a lion. The stress is done the second that event's over. Mm-hmm. second they're out the game, they're going to go back to eating grass and boning and doing whatever the fuck zebras do. <laughs> and that's why they don't get ulcers because it's not chronic. Yeah. But they have that physical burst of sprinting for their life, and that's the physical outlet for that stress, mm-hmm. right? And so I think if we, if we try to say, like, well, we're, nobody wants to run from tigers. Nobody wants to fucking try to mimic what was done in the wild we've done a good job of changing that for our survivability mm-hmm. but if we can figure out a physical dump that's on the same that's on par with that like you put your kid through wrestling practice that's a whole different level of physical dump mm-hmm. you know that can have a, a tremendous impact not only in how they how they deal with the world but knowing each day like whatever stressors come up they're going to be able to get that out mm-hmm. it doesn't have to fucking sit inside them yep uh, yeah, and, and just because we're not running from tigers on a regular basis, just because we're not having to um, live in that, um, you know, live in that environment physically, doesn't mean we're not still wired for that. Doesn't mean that that's not uh, the loop that our brain gets caught in without the the physical outlet. And that's you know, living in that fight or flight is is what keeps us in that 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 stress loop and like you said as the physical manifestation um and yeah and manifestation in a lot a lot of a lot of ways physically emotionally fucking spiritually and then we look for you know for those um you know the 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 unhealthy escapes that only let me sedate myself with booze or fucking pills yep let me let me uh let me change tv or social media or whatever let me distract my mind so it's not on my mind yep Absolutely. Um, yeah. So sports and athletics, without a doubt, give, give people, give kids, um, those, yeah, the ways, ways to process that. And, but that has to be a balance too, because like, is a, why are you doing this? Are you doing this because you enjoy it for the physical aspect, uh, the, the physical release of it, or, you know, we've also, uh, made sports and made all that stuff even more stressful like it's it's something to be accomplished it's something to boost your ego and 
that's you know it's like what what is your intention like yeah. in, intention is such an important thing um am i doing this for me or am i doing this for somebody else am i doing this because i enjoy it um not necessarily at the time but i you know i enjoy the um you know the the physical and, and neuromuscular engagement of of participating in this or am i doing this to like boost my ego or am i doing this to please my parent or you know any, anything like that yeah you can always tell especially with wrestling who's doing it because dad wanted them to wrestle or who actually loves being there you yeah. know and they, they obviously anybody who's watched fighting has heard embrace the grind embrace the grind and and uh <laughs> You know, Goldie Goldie threw that shit out like every other sentence for a t for a time period in the UFC, and I love Goldie. It's not a knock on him, but you know, there is something to that. There is something to knowing like the difficult, whatever the fucking difficult is, whether it's wrestling or your commuting traffic, like whatever the fucking difficult is, embrace that. Look mm -hmm. at it differently. Shift your perspective, yeah. and that changes all of it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, you know. Pain is inevitable. Suffering is optional. Like, like there's gonna be there's gonna be struggle. There's going to be you know things that are uncomfortable, unpleasant in life. It's yeah, it's your perspective on it. Absolutely, that that makes that you know makes you happy or makes you uh, grateful or makes you fucking resentful or miserable, without a doubt. Fuck yeah, brother. Well, fuck man. That's been an hour with you, brother. <laughs> tell right. me, uh, tell me where people can find you online. Uh, so, you know, my, my social media, uh, you know, just at Carlos Condit on Twitter and, and uh, Instagram. Um, you know, I got a social media page. Uh, the coffee company is called hundred hands We're hundred hands coffee, uh, dot com. Uh, we got a social media, you know, just a uh, hundred hands coffee on, on Instagram. Um, and yeah, that's it, man. Fuck. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for being here, brother. Absolutely. Appreciate you. Thanks for having me. Good luck to you. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to the show today. I want to talk to you real quick about Shroom Tech Sport. It has adaptogens and cordyceps synesis, which is a mushroom that is an amazing product that helps the body with ATP production as well as oxygen utilization. That means you're going to be able to work out harder and longer. It also is caffeine-free. So even though I like to work out with a little bit of caffeine in my system, I can do that with a different product, like some good optimized coffee, and then throw the, the wonderful Shroom Tech Sport in on top of that. The fact that there's no caffeine in it also helps me if I'm going to have a late workout and I don't want to be up all night after the workout. You know, for people who are just pressed for time and really need to get a good hard workout in, a lot of the best jujitsu classes I attend are late at night. And uh, you want to have the best workout you possibly can, but you don't want to be up until midnight or 2 a.m. because of the fact that your pre-workout contains caffeine and other stimulants. Shroom Tech Sport is the one that's right for you. You can find this wonderful product at onit.com slash podcast. All right, fam, today I want to talk to you about krill oil, because if you're like me, you love eating foods that are high in omega-6 fatty acids. That includes all of the nuts, from cashews, almonds, walnuts, so much of the vegetable oils and nuts and seeds and everything that we enjoy eating, even in a healthy diet, is high in omega-6 fatty acids. The problem with that is that if you don't balance it out with enough omega-3 fatty acids, you're going to have systemic inflammation. And that inflammation is going to make you tired. It's going to give you brain fog. It's going to decrease your motivation to work out in the gym. So supplementing with some omega-3 sources is a really smart idea. Now, one way to do that is to eat things like chia seeds, eat oily fish, and I highly recommend that. But as far as supplementation is concerned, 
the absolute hands down best way to do that is to get yourself some krill oil. Now, krill has some advantages over fish oil in that krill naturally has a compound called astaxanthin that keeps the krill super fresh and so prevents it from going rancid. It also has a really favorable ratio of the omega-3 fatty acids, and it's harvested completely sustainably from these tiny little squid-like creatures in the pristine Arctic oceans. So check out our krill oil. It's from the best source in the world that we can find, and it really will make a difference in your joint health, skin health, just overall feeling like you're on top of your game. Krill is just one of those essential products. Fish oil is great too. We have that in our joint oil product and you can definitely explore that. That's another great way to go about it. But there's really something special about krill oil. So definitely check that out if you're interested and especially check that out if you eat a lot of nut butter like me. All right, guys, you've got questions. I've got answers. Every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Central Time, I'm going to be on Onnit's main page on Facebook doing a Facebook Live Q&A. The Facebook Live Q&A runs for 30 minutes. If you can't make it at 6 p.m. Central Time, all you have to do is write in your questions, and I'll be sure to get those answered for you, either by writing it or talking about it on the Facebook Live, which you can check out at any point in time after the show airs. But be sure to tune in live if you can. We're going to get a lot of information rounded out, talking about the podcast, talking about different health topics, and I think you'll enjoy it.